Hi, and welcome to Women's Health Clarity, the podcast giving a big voice to the things women worry about. I'm Chloe Bunter, Pilates teacher, trainer, and creator of the Pilates Instructor Hub. My mission is to help you feel empowered in your body to move fearlessly. And I'm Kate Spina, nutritionist, award-winning chef, eating disorder survivor, helping you feel more confident about what you eat. Together, we're delivering the truth bombs you need to feel more empowered about your health, physical, emotional, and mental. If you find this episode helpful, we'd love you to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with other women in your life. We'd like to make an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the lands where we live, learn and work. Chloe from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and Kate the Gadigal and Wangal peoples of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, Chloe. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kate. Hello, everyone. Happy 2023. Yes, we're recording this at the beginning of January. So if that's if you're listening to it, the beginning of 2023 as well, we have some really helpful, reassuring information um, to help you start this year off in a calmer, more proactive way. Yeah. So how are you, Kate? Are you feeling calm and proactive? Uh, <laughs> Are we starting off our year calm and proactive? Like, let's, like, cut the BS. How are we feeling? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good reminder too. I like how you put put your in a calm and more proactive way. Let's have a chat about that. (laughs) And really, thank you so much for reminding me before I answer. Um, We swear, swear warning. Um, So, yeah. Um, Look, I think... I think me, like everyone else out there, would have liked another couple of weeks off at Christmas. It went. It it was weird, right? Because there was like, do you feel with Christmas? It's like there's such a lead up. It just oh, yeah. it's weird. It feels like the lead up to Christmas goes for six months or something, and then there's this like mad dash in that last week to get everything organized and done yeah. and presents and organized. You know all the things, and then it's and it's done, and then it's like, hey here's 2023 let's go yeah. let's be calm and proactive <laughs> it's like oh yeah, that, was, that was as much for me as for anyone listening no no I know. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, aspirations 2023 goals calm and proactive um the mantra i will be calm yeah. and proactive today i will calm be calm and, and proactive today i will be calm and proactive today <laughs> yes and and so Yes. Um, yeah, no, I do feel that the, the build-up to Christmas sort of deserves at least a month off and I definitely <laughs> that, so. I agree. Um, it does, doesn't it? And um, it was like that, remember, how good it was when in, and this is probably more for our Australian audience because I know over in the States um, the kids don't get their long break over Christmas, but in Australia it was like the Christmas and summer holidays from school remember they just felt like they went on forever because they were oh, like six weeks yeah. six weeks oh look my kids still have another three weeks off oh, and i'm jealous of hell yeah I'm like, oh. it was bliss it was the best time of the year it was absolutely best. amazing and you came back fully recharged and here we are as adults and busy <laughs> human beings and you know kate you've got a family and 
I'm, we're both running our own businesses, so I'm going to have a little guess, Kate, that you might be somewhat like me where actually when running your own business and you actually don't get time off at all, um, yeah. which I think could be another interesting um, topic for a podcast. We can talk about that, what, yeah. you know, how, to, how to manage your time when you are the whole of the thing. Yeah, and that, that thing where um, you plan for time off but you think that you'll fit in a day or two of planning for your business for the next year to get ahead. Yeah. And the quotation marks are so heavy around that get ahead because I never feel I get ahead. But, yeah, I sort of thought, yeah, I'll have a little break and I'll have a day and I'll get ahead and that never happens. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you can, you're vibing on this and you can, you know, it's like, yeah, we're there, we're with you, we understand. So, um. When we look at that, because I mean, Kate, I'm I'm the same. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm quite tired, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> I'm going to be like really cut through the bullshit and say I'm tired. Um, yeah. But I'm also inspired and um, excited for the year to come, uh, excited for my business and the growth um, that's happening there and yeah, I, I do quite like the start of – I, I like a new year. I like a new year and it's not – I'm not a uh, let's do New Year's resolutions kind of person but there is something I feel of some sort of – for me there feels some sort of renewal, um, some sort of – I don't know, some, some excitement of what's – I find I find the start of a new year inspiring. Yeah, look, if anything, even if you're not into resolutions, it can be a time for reflection and, and thinking about what worked for you the year before. Um, and and I think in terms of resolutions, we tend to think about what we want to do more of. But I think it's also really be- beneficial to think about what we want to do less of. Oh, yeah, totally. I absolutely want to stress less about the small things. I want to get more confident about what they are, those small things that don't deserve my worry more focused on um, the things that count and and that sort of that sort of is relevant to today's topic because Chloe and I were talking about this last year and we thought it'd be really beneficial to talk about this at the beginning of the year about giving you a little bit of clarity about what actually is healthy exercise and healthy eating so you can stress less about that this year mm. yeah because I mean, we, we hear that word bandied about a lot, don't we? Healthy yeah. eating. Healthy. Healthy, 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 healthy. So we hear this a lot, but it's a, it's a, to me it feels like it's a very subjective word. Mm. Um, it can be used in a lot of different ways. We know it can also be manipulated in regards to um, diet culture and toxic fitness culture. Yeah. Uh, which I think a lot of the time diet culture and toxic fitness culture go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And um, I was – so today we're going to give you – yeah, Kate will, Kate will um, use her expertise to discuss what it means from a nutritional point of view and mm-hmm. I will have a chat in regards to what it means from a physical activities guidelines point of view. Um which will hopefully give you all some clarity. Uh, and Kate, it was interesting when I was reflecting, reflecting on on this and and um, reflecting on our episode on diet culture. 
I really feel like toxic fitness culture, and by toxic fitness culture, I mean, you know, the whole working out to earn your food. You know yeah. that narrative? And yeah. holy shit, did I hear that a lot as inspo around the Christmas time. Yeah. Come on, get this class done so that obviously not from me or my peers, but definitely from establishments I went to to do a workout. It's like, come on, let's do this to earn your cocktails or to earn your Christmas food or to work your Christmas food off. Um, mm-hmm. And um, also that diet, uh, toxic fitness culture of chasing an aesthetic as the prime metric of success. You know, yeah. I, I went to a class leading up to Christmas where the instructor used the prime motivator being, come on, come on, everyone. Now it's it's um, it's summer, so it's singlet season. You've got to tone those triceps. It's like, uh, <gasps> excuse me? So my body's not worthy to wear a sleeveless top if I don't have what you consider to be toned triceps? Oh wow. yeah, oh yeah. We also Still got happening. oh, it was it was full, and I and it was it was really interesting because in the moment, I really wanted to just like stop the class and say, "Hey, can we have a chat about this?" <laughs> but I didn't. I just kind of sucked it up, and I thought, you know, just don't, just don't. So I feel like um, toxic fitness culture's done a real a real number um, on. Um, how we perceive exercise and maybe our relationship with exercise, just like diet culture has done with how we perceive food and our relationship with food. So mm. it's, yeah, so coming back to like what, what is healthy, yeah, where do, we, where do we go from there? Do you want to start with having a chat about food, Kate? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, I mean, this is such... A broad topic, but there's I've got I've got some yeah, and this is a broad topic, and I want I want everyone to think of this. I think because again, I was thinking about that too. Gosh, this is broad, right? So let's think of this as like an an overview, yeah. Because there's, there's so many things that yeah. we could turn into its own episode, right? Within yeah. this, oh uh, oh yeah, I've already actually got some noted down. So um, yeah, that there'll be future topics. I think that'll come out of this, yeah. but I think I've narrowed it down to five key points. Um, and I could literally, we could do a whole episode on what is not healthy eating mm. like, <laughs> or what is not healthy exercise. Um, Jim bro would be in there as well, but, um, okay. So first key factor to healthy eating is probably going to surprise you, but it is eat enough food regularly. That's it. Like not even looking at what you're eating yet, but do you eat enough food Mm. and do you eat it at regular intervals? And for women, two key points here, do you know how often you need to eat in order to keep your energy and your focus sustained? And then do you know what's enough food for you? And I don't know about conversations you have with um, friends, Chloe, but I know conversations I have with friends and my clients no one's ever asking, oh, do you think that's enough? They're always asking me, oh, am I eating too much? Mm. Is it too much sugar? Is that too much fat? Is it too much carbs? Is it too much? I would love the focus to be back on, am I getting enough? 
is this enough for me? Mm. And that will be, again, that's going, what's enough for each person is going to be individual. So yeah. that's key factor number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is have a peaceful relationship with food. Mm. Um, we are getting to talking about what that food will be in a minute, but I think there's so much focus on, you know, what you're eating. You are what you eat. And if we think about it like the car analogy, you know, they'll say, oh, you're only as good as the fuel you put in your car. Mm. But if you think about your relationship with food is the air in your tyres, then it doesn't matter what fuel you're putting into your car, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't have a good relationship with food. Mm. You're not going to make calm, proactive, I use the words, calm, proactive, (laughs) food choices. if you if you having a frantic, stressed relationship with food, so they're my my two key ones that aren't actually even about what you're eating yet, mm. but yeah, important. First two of of five. Um, then looking more closely at what you're eating, I want you to have a balance of macronutrients. So the macronutrients are nutrients you need in larger amounts, so protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So we want you having a balance of those. Um, you'll need, each person will need different amounts of protein depending on your body shape, your requirements, your health picture. Um, I recommend seeing good sources of protein at at least two out of three meals. And again, that's a whole nother episode. Um, we want those proteins ideally to come from a mix of plant and animal proteins um, from a you know, nutrition point of view, if you choose, though, to only get your protein from plant proteins, then you will need to supplement. But if we're just looking at food, um, that's going to be give you more nutrients that you need. And um, we also then want some carbohydrates and some healthy fats at each meal. So on the note of carbohydrates, because when, when I tell people, yeah, you want some carbohydrates at each meal, when carbohydrates are more than just white bread, people. They're fruit, they're vegetables, they're whole grains, legumes have carbohydrates in them, dairy foods have a, a fair amount of carbohydrates in them. So ideally, I want whole grains in some of your meals on usually a daily basis, and I want fruit and vegetables in most of your meals. I'd like to see at least one fruit um, or some vegetables there as well. So that's sort of your macronutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I know lots of people have questions about protein and carbohydrates. Um, but, yeah, that's the basics. You want to be seeing those. If you're not seeing protein, carbohydrates and fats in most of your meals each day, then you need to have a little think about what you're eating. So that's going to knock off your macronutrient needs. Um, have you struggled with getting enough protein? Chloe, I know actually that's a bit of a focus for me at the moment, getting a bit more protein. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I would say that I probably I'm not as conscious of as adding in protein as I should be. And when I do add in protein to a meal, I feel more satiated um, mm. for longer. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm aware of its importance uh, and, yeah, sort of trying to, trying to add that in. I think, I mean, we've spoken about this before in earlier episodes. My struggle is with... Um, with time, um, with 
my lack of ability to cook um, and just with generally kind of eating on the run sort of thing, just sort of – I mean, I I have a tendency, which is something, you know, I'm trying to work on, but I have a tendency to kind of wait until I'm starving, like I'm really – because I've just been running around doing a million things um, and then all of a sudden I'm just ridiculously hungry and that makes me not feel well. Yeah. So then I'm just kind of like literally grabbing anything to stop feeling like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone for a walk, and it ended up being, you know, twice as long as what I thought. And I come back, and I'm literally just start inhaling food. Yeah. So, and 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 also, um, I've been quite tired lately as well. I'm looking back at my iron and all those things, and sleep, mm. and all, all you know, all that jazz. And I definitely notice when I'm really tired that it is harder for me to kind of put together that balanced yeah. macronutrient, macro did you call it macronutrient? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's easy to grab yeah. something quick and easy that's going to give me an instant hit of energy in the moment, which is what but what I'm lo- like, what, yeah. But that's, but that's good. That's that's sort of factor number one, eat enough food. Well, it's your- a, it serves in the moment, yeah. That's your first priority, so that's good. So we've done... We've done eat enough food regularly, have a peace relationship with food, get a balance of macronutrients. And number four is something um, that I think you'd be interested in, Chloe, especially because it's this is a little bit harder to achieve when you're time poor, when you're tired, um, when you're cooking mainly for one or, or two people. But, a, you know, the fourth key factor I think in healthy eating is diversity. Mm. So a diversity of foods in general is good it's good for a healthy food relationship but it's more specifically a diversity of plant foods because um, it's really good for your gut health right yes yeah, so the the greater your diversity of plant foods the greater the diversity of your microbiome and we know that's associated with being healthier and living longer and also the more diverse your plant foods, the greater array of vitamins and minerals. So those micronutrients, those nutrients you need in smaller amounts, um, are easier to get. Um, So I do a lot of work with this with my clients. And if you're interested in diving a little bit more into what plant diversity um, can achieve and the science behind it, um, have a little look at the Zoe project. Um, But I do a lot of work on helping clients sort of get towards 30 plus plants, different plant foods each week. Um, I find that people who are cooking for one can generally aim for 24 to 25. I was going to say, that's a lot of different fruit and veg I need in my house. Well, not, yeah, not just fruit and veg. It's probably going to be about 10 different fruit or vegetables, but then it's going to be different whole grains, different nuts and seeds, right. different so if you think about pasta and breads and chickpeas or lentils and hummus and um so yeah I do a lot of work with people because um there are little like tips and tricks you can use to increase your diversity um what's the Zoe project sorry just just going back for a moment it's a people-based project in that lots of people voluntarily participated to track their eating habits um and do a microbiome test um this was this spans several countries, and so you've got lots and lots of data, 
And from that, um, they could pinpoint certain trends and certain habits that promotes a more diverse microbiome. Um, because we know that's a good thing. And we sort of, and we know that the best way to influence your gut bacteria is through food. You can do a little bit with probiotics, but for longer impact, it's your your gut bacteria respond better to what you're eating on a regular basis. Mm. Um, could, could you please link into that? That sounds absolutely yeah. fascinating. Could you pop that in the show notes? I will actually. Thanks. Right. Thanks for reminding me. And and that would be another really good podcast topic on plant diversity and what that looks like. Um, something you can think about, though, if, if you're going, oh, I'm not really getting, I eat sort of the same foods all the time. And over Christmas, everyone tends to, their diversity goes down because we eat leftovers and we are on holiday. Well, I think too, I mean, from my point of view, I do tend to eat the same thing because yeah. it's kind of, it's what I know. It's quick. I can do. You, I know what to do with it. It's. I know I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and that's really valid. And so I live by myself and cook for myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a challenge that I've noticed in um, in clients who are just cooking for one. That is actually much more challenging to get that thirty. So we generally aim for twenty four to twenty five, and you can do some things like. Um, you know, if you're really good at eating your greens, if you get lots of green vegetables, can you add some different colours in there? Can you get some different vegetables? Mm. Um, instead of getting like frozen blueberries, could you get some frozen mixed berries? Right. Instead of buying a tin of chickpeas for your salad, could you buy a tin of mixed beans? So there's some really lovely little hacks there mm. that you can do to aim for more diversity. But that's really, we know that, so broadly speaking, we know that that's probably good for everyone. That's a healthy eating habit for everyone, as much diversity as you can achieve without damaging that peaceful relationship with food. Mm. Um, so that's the first four. And then the the fifth like factor to healthy eating is personalize it. Please, you know, take take guidelines on social media. Take my guidelines in this podcast as general. What is right for you? Because there'll be a level of personalized nutrition that will be perfect for you, that will be healthy eating for you that may not be healthy eating for someone else. Mm. Um, so what's your current health picture? Do you have any, you know, diseases, disorders, lingering injuries? Um, what, what are your health goals? How much time do you have? What's your living situation? What are your eating preferences? What's your food budget? Mm. You know, what's your cooking ability? Um, do you need a little bit more protein than the next person? Um, do you need more of a specific mineral than someone else? So you'll only get so far with general guidelines and they can be really helpful to reduce the amount you think about food, but there will come a point where your nutrition is going to need to be personalised. Mm. So eat enough food regularly. And my big takeaway from that is do you know what's enough food for you? Um, ideally, it's going to sustain you for between three to five hours. Do you have a peaceful relationship with food? That's essential to healthy eating. Number three, are you getting a balance of macronutrients? Are you seeing a good source of protein in two out of three meals? Are you seeing carbohydrate sources in each meal? And again, that's more than just white bread. Are you? Do you know what healthy fats are and are you choosing them? Are you getting diversity? In general, do you feel flexible with your with making diverse food choices? But are you specifically getting 
um, as many different plant foods as you can and then know that if you want to take your nutrition a bit further, get something personalised. Awesome. I've got two questions for you. So uh, thoughts around snacking and as in when we're talking about are you getting enough food? Do you feel sustained? Um, does that look like snacking in between meals or not? Because I know that there's sort of some – I think I stumbled across an interesting discussion on that uh, with Magna Zabowski. Um, she's been doing some um, – a, a documentary or some interviews um, in regards to uh, food, etc. And I stumbled across a discussion around snack and the gentleman that she was uh, talking with was basically talking about snacking being a, a marketing construct um, that came in, you know, by manufacturers to, to, sell, yeah. to sell specific snacks. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. And my second question would be around... <laughs> Um, a very popular, very popular way of eating fasting. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So I know these are big, these are probably big questions. Let's hit yeah. snacking up first. Yeah. I Both love a snack. Personally, love a snack. <laughs> big snack <laughs> fan here. All right. So let's talk general. Yeah. Um, and because my particular passion is gut health, I'll, I'll do it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So in general, from a gut health approach and from a female approach as well if we're talking women's health um i i generally don't like snacking and i'm always interested to see Ah. if if women can have a little bit of an experiment with their eating habits to see if they actually need to snack or not and there are two big reasons for this so i'm so glad i asked this question yeah and this is actually, this might be a little bit of a light bulb moment for people out there. So the, from a gut health perspective, um, I'm not a huge fan of snacking because we know that your migratory motor complex, so muscle contractions that help push your food down and out, yeah. only kick in after you haven't eaten for a couple of hours. And, and do we know how many hours that is, just out of curiosity? Oh, is it- it's one and a half to two hours you need of no food before they will kick in. And and so if you're constantly snacking, it will interrupt your migratory motor complex and might make um, constipation or irregular bowel movements a bit more likely for you. So I'm always interested. So we know that larger spaced out meals are particularly helpful for people who suffer from constipation. Oh, okay. Fascinating. So, I really like that. Then from a female eating habit point of view, I see busy women with too much on their plate and carrying up a huge mental load, um, you know, skip breakfast or grab breakfast as they run out the door. Then they get to work and they grab a coffee and something to eat with it. And then they get to lunch and they're ravenous. Um, And so they scoff lunch, but it maybe wasn't what they wanted and then they hit mid-afternoon and they're tired because they're they're busy and they start snacking and they get home, they're preparing um, meals for their kids or their family and they might start snacking while they're eating dinner because they haven't eaten enough throughout the day mm. um, and they may not feel like dinner and they sit down and then 9 o'clock comes and they start snacking again. And I see that tied up with feelings of chaos around food, of 
and and an underlying vibe that they're just not putting themselves first. Also that they don't know how much to eat at a meal to get them through to the next meal. So not feeling very confident with what's a comfortable level of fullness. Mm. You know that thing of like, oh, only eat to, you know, you, you always want to be a little bit hungry when you finish a meal, like that like fucking stupid diet culture advice. <laughs> yeah. Which just sets you up for snacking. It seems a weird thing. It seems a weird thing to say sit down but leave yourself feeling a bit hungry. Yeah. And there is is such a feeling of calmness when you have eaten enough. And you know because you don't think about food anymore. Mm. So I'm always really interested in do you actually need to snack or do you just not know what a satisfying meal looks like? And then from a more personalised point of view, because there will be some people who snacking works best for them, either because their meals are really spaced out, they might be having breakfast really early, their lunch breaks might be late, or they've just noticed that they need snacks. In any case, I will see if we can't space out those those snacks by at least three hours after a meal Mm -hmm. um, and we'll experiment there. But ultimately it's figuring out what works for a person, Mm. not what I want for them, but I do have... I will absolutely make sure that their gut health is supported and also that they're not snacking because they're not actually sitting down and eating a proper meal. Mm. Um, or oh, I'm only going to have a light meal because I've eaten too much today, but then they end up snacking after dinner. Mm. So they're two big themes. But um, some of my clients, we end up having snacks and sometimes snacks can be reassuring that oh, I'm going to be eating soon. Mm. And that's a good thing. Like, if you're having lunch at 12 or 12.30 and you're getting home at 5.30 or 6, but then you're going straight into, you know, getting kids ready for bath or you're going to the gym, then you are going to need a mid-afternoon snack, absolutely. But it's about making that a calm choice and and you feeling calm about your eating habits rather than those snacks feeling frantic and, yeah, a bit out of control. Yeah. So. Great. Um, Thanks yeah, for clearing so, that up. Yeah, so if that's you, if you're like, oh, yeah, I think that's me, experiment with making your meals a little bit more satisfying and see what snacking then looks like for you. Is it still there? Does it look different? Um, is it calmer? You know, we want your snacking to be calm as well as your as your main meals. And then in terms of fasting, um, broadly speaking, so my general guidelines are it's not a good idea for women. Um, in general, it tends, I generally see hormone um, implications here, disruptions, specifically with thyroid function. So I'm going to be really careful. I'm not going to recommend that for someone with um, who I suspect thyroid dysfunction in, someone who is highly stressed. I want them eating regularly so they've got a you know more stable blood sugar. Um, then looking at things that are more specific, I have had the odd client who have just, they've never been breakfast people, um, and they've never had a disordered relationship with food. So it's, it's, there's no feelings of restriction with intermittent fasting. And sometimes like together we figured out that an intermittent fasting pattern works for them, but that's a very specific situation. Another specific situation is that if you have had breast cancer, it looks like an overnight fast of 13 to 14 hours increases, like lengthens your remission 
and reduces the chance of your breast cancer occurring. So that's, that's just an overnight fast of so maybe having your dinner a little bit earlier and your breakfast slightly later. But again, so those are they're you know quite specific situations. There in general, I do not recommend it for women um, without support and a, and yeah, a, a bit of thought given to their individual needs. So the old, um, you know, the you know the big push in the it was kind of nineties, early two thousands about you had to eat at these very specific regular intervals or your metabolism would just like bottom out. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this was relating to diet culture because it was like, you need to eat every blah, blah, blah hours, but you need to eat low fat. You yeah. know what I mean? Keep the metabolism, la, 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 la. Um, so that was very much you had to eat breakfast Otherwise, you would have a sluggish metabolism for the day. Yeah, your metabolism is so complex. That, yeah, yeah, it's it's much more than it's much more than timing of meals. Um, yes, eating regularly does support your metabolism, but your metabolism is functioning like it's so many different processes in your body, um, and there are lots of things that go into that. Um, eating regularly is definitely one of them, but you, I think the guideline was like, was it every 2.5 hours? It was something outrageous. And then someone's like, hey, we think this might be coming from like the cereal companies and so on. They're like, you know, how much time? What do you eat at your breakfast? <laughs> thinking about eating, like mm. for me, like contrasting how I eat now with what was happening for me when I was like neck deep in a fucked up eating disorder, like I'm so glad now that I think so much less about food. Mm. And I think I've never, ever met any woman who says, gosh, I wish I thought more about what I ate. Mm. So um, if if you are snacking less, that might be a pathway that helps you think less about food if you're just focusing on, on more satisfying meals. Mm. Again, general recommendation. Um, but, you know, I get some, I've had lots of lovely feedback from people who are just like, oh, wow, I just needed to eat more. I just needed to feed myself like I would feed my best friend and I actually didn't need that snack in the morning. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, but also snacks are lots of different things. Like a mid-morning coffee can just also be just something lovely. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's where personalised nutrition comes into it. But, um, yeah, there, there are two great topics and ones that we could definitely expand on. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting. I'd be interested to go more in-depth into the fasting yeah, um, and it's interesting because uh, most of the fasting and most of the keto studies actually as well have been done on men. It's actually not interesting and yeah. it's actually not surprising. Yeah, sorry. And and it's actually a load of fucking bullshit. Can we start actually studying women, please? As expected, this study was done by <laughs> white man in his what is conducted <laughs> Exactly, aren't there? And a lot of the groups usually they're they're uh, you know cis white male um, college college students yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's been a wealth of a wealth of um, info just to sort of really get clear and and simplify what is ultimately you know can feel like quite a complex topic for a lot of people. We know that that there is a lot of complexity around around. Uh, 
how we how we in our own selves view food and eating and and exercise so segueing over to to you know what does what does healthy exercising look like um it's interesting because i mean looping back into your first dot point with with the food um kate basically talking about well you know you said you know your first dot point was well are you just are you eating enough yeah right and i guess that that's that's kind of the the thing with exercise too you know are we are we getting enough and and but by that i mean taking away does it need to be this specific macronutrient you know what i mean like at the, at the very base level are you are you moving before we yeah. even think about what sort of movement or how you know and so on are you moving are you moving yeah. right um because what we look at when we look at uh people moving across the world as a whole um it looks like at that base level we're probably not just getting enough movement yeah in general so there's a really i really highly recommend and we will link this into the show notes if you want to look at detail and and it's, it's beautifully laid out the physical activity guidelines um as laid out by who so world health world health organization they do a really 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 comprehensive recommendation of exercise from birth through to through to through to your later life yeah the whole spectrum the whole yeah it's fascinating I'll, i'll um give you a little taste of it in a moment yeah absolutely fascinating so we're not just looking at that general you know 18 year old to 64 year old which is kind of that sort of the midlife right that that whole you know we're looking at what the recommendations from babies up basically and then also to our older older population as a general rule of thumb, uh, when we look at exercise, regular, and again, I'm pulling a lot of this from the WHO, so the World Health Organization, um, regular physical activity, it, it's proven to help prevent and manage non-communicable diseases, so such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and several cancers, um, helps with hypertension, um, helps improve mental health, quality of life and general well-being mm. so there's there's so much wrapped up in why we need to move and why we should move um and interestingly the, did you see any dot points there on to ensure that my triceps were toned so i could wear a singlet this summer no no Nothing. oh oh <laughs> funny that because i was looking for that i was thinking okay well this is this was such a focus of this particular instructor's class okay it's got to be in here right it's got to be on the who's page no right but i am looking at things like oh wow preventing and managing non-communicable diseases cancers heart disease mental health oh, quality mental- of life like hello yes please uh exercise and mental health like it's such a game changer mm-hmm. I, for women I just wish all of us like 
latched onto this earlier. Well, and this is and this is what I'm saying. The the problem is that that toxic fitness culture has messed with us as to our perception of why we should exercise. And it's not about helping us feel better mentally, right? It's not about letting us know that it's really okay whatever we physically show up as, however we physically look, the size of our body, uh, the level of our fitness, etc., movement is life right yeah. we it needs to be embraced it needs to be there for all mm. um and you know going to a class where the instructor stands out in front and goes okay all of you are obviously here because you want to tone your triceps and look better in a singlet <laughs> like how ridiculous and it was interesting because after that class because i've this where i've been going that it's been quite a bit of this it's a bit of that I've noticed this culture coming through and so when I left um, that particular class and I'm walking along and I was like okay well I want to reflect on why do I want to like what in what motivates me to go and exercise right Mm. and 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 this is okay if you're going and exercising because of some sort of you know you're wanting some sort of physical aesthetic but that's okay that's your that's your motivation right Mm. but it's really important that it's not everyone's motivation we recognize that I go and exercise for my head yeah it is the apart from getting a good night's sleep it is the best thing I can do for my mental well-being um exercise for me becomes like a meditation uh I can get in a flow state I I don't want to be thinking about what I look like got no interest in thinking about what I look like when I exercise to be honest Uh, I'm there just to get into the flow to get into the joy of moving to get into the empowerment of it to get into the endorphin rush yeah Yeah. to I know how I feel after you know an acute bout of exercise and how awesome that makes me feel so coming back into it when we look at okay well what are the the general broad activity guidelines how much should we be aiming to get towards right I think this is important to know because this is a barometer of where we want to get it doesn't mean we need to be there now doesn't mean we need to be there tomorrow okay but as a general rule of thumb the majority of us will be looking at aiming towards 150 to 300 minutes of moderate paced cardio a week Mm -hmm. or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous Oh, I haven't had the vigorous recommendation before. Yeah. So your oh. moderate so your moderate is your talk test. Yeah. Um, and your vigorous is your you know, you're not you're not having a little chat with your mate as you as you're doing it. So hundred and fifty minutes a week. So can that be broken down into like five half hour sessions, Chloe? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can really and it really it it, it really comes down to the the population and the individual we're talking to as well. By population, I mean, um, for instance, if I was looking at prenatal guidelines, we're still um, encouraging our prenatal clients to get in that 150 plus minutes of moderate paced um, cardio, uh, higher if they're, you know, coming in with a higher um, base level and they are working in conjunction with their healthcare provider. 
Um, mm. But for the general uh, prenatal clientele, you'd be looking at around about that 150 moderate-paced um, cardio a week. And that would be asked to be broken up over about a half an hour each day of the week. Okay. Nice. Um, me, not pregnant, not, you know, anything else going on. If I just wanted to go and go, you know, <laughs> three hardcore sessions a week, if that was something that suited, suited me and yeah. fit in with my lifestyle and me, yeah. I did the thing and I was doing something that, you know, I enjoyed and that's how I got it in, yeah. then that's so fine too. Okay. So, so it's do it's really for for the general population, okay? It's it's do what you're going to actually do and stick to, and that is the bottom line key, right? Mm. Because the other thing that we want to be getting in, apart from our cardio, is we want to be getting in approximately two weight sessions a week. So yeah. the weight, so these are the general recommendations. And again, I really highly recommend anyone that's listening to this, click on the link in the show notes to um, the World Health Organization's page because seriously, it's a great and detailed read. Um, and when we're looking at the two weight sessions, so we're looking at a session that's going to either maintain or increase muscular strength and endurance. Oh, I like that. I like that definition of it. Yeah, so we might, you know, maintain. And I, I, I'm kind of mixing in some of the ACSM, you know, wording here as well. So that's the American College of Sports Medicine, 11th edition. Um, so bringing all of this in together, um, we're looking at we need to get our cardio in and we need to get our weight sessions in, okay? Oh. Physical inactivity is one, and I'm pulling this straight from who, um, but we see this wherever we look. Uh, mm. And I, I like um, talking to the World Health Organization because they are looking at a global yeah. perspective here. We're not just looking in America. We're not just looking in Australia, etc. We are looking yeah. globally. Um, so physical activity, inactivity, physical inactivity is one of the leading risk factors for non-communicable disease mortality. So you know when yeah. you hear about like all-cause mortality rates. Um, etc. So it says here, people who are insufficiently active, so that would be coming in consistently under those recommendations, right? Mm -hmm. I would I would take an assumption that that's what it means. That's an educated guess. Um, insufficiently active have a twenty to thirty percent increased risk of death compared to people who are sufficiently active. Mm, wow that's huge right right like they're big percentages that's not oh it's a five percent it's a yeah. you know it's a 20 to 30 percent 30 percent that's over a quarter like right yeah so that's it's, significant. it's significant it's significant okay so Physical activity and our understanding of physical activity and its importance on so many different aspects of our health and well-being um, has really been coming more and more to light and there's more comprehensive studies being done on it and it's important. So here are some interesting um, stats, um, Kate. Mm. Levels of physical activity globally. More than a quarter of the world's adult population are insufficiently active. Oh, wow. Worldwide, around one in three women and one in four men 
do not do enough physical activity to stay healthy. Wow. One in three women. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I read through the – I'm sitting here, so I'm, I'm going to be really overt. Like I'm sitting here as a Pilates instructor. I know my guidelines. Mm. Um, I, know, I know all of this. I work in the fitness space. This is mm. my entire life job. Yeah. I would say at the moment and probably for the last four months at least, mm. I've been insufficiently active. Yeah. And this has been a really great wake-up call for me um, to, to really tap into the, the really deep health benefits of why we need to move more, right? Mm. So um, levels of inactivity are twice as high in high-income countries compared to low-income countries. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, that doesn't really come as a – does that come as a surprise to you? No, not at all. No. Um, I guess because we've got so much convenience, right? We might not have to really even sort of walk from one place to the <laughs> other, all yeah. of these things, yeah? Don't even have to go out for milk anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, – there has been so these are still these interesting stats. There's been no improvement in global levels of physical activity since 2001. Oh, so so that's interesting, isn't it? It's like so all you know, and Kate, I feel like this loops back to diet culture, and that we know that actually diet culture and diets aren't actually effective, right, in the long term because mm. they keep you in a perpetual loop. Yeah. Yeah, they're not change like we're not seeing any health changes. Any? Do, do I, am I- yeah, no, it's 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 locking you in to a restrictive way of eating that may not be compatible with anything you like or your lifestyle mm. with the purpose of losing weight, not for any health outcome. Mm. Like that, like the the gym instructor had the purpose of helping your arms look more toned. Well. That may come with health benefits, but it's not a health benefit in itself. Toned arms don't prevent people from, you know, dying on their own. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's really it's really interesting to me. So, that's yeah. That's from two thousand one. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I all I can sit here is think sit here and yeah. think and wonder. And I'm like, is this, you know, what do we, you know, this? I mean, I know there's been definitely. Um, plenty of toxic fitness culture um but maybe also there's been an increase in convenience and a who knows but yeah yeah so so I guess we look at all this and we go okay for the majority of us um sitting here listening today we probably need to aim towards that 150 to 300 moderate pace cardio or the 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous a week or a combo of both so you might be doing some vigorous, you might be doing some moderate, um, which is more than likely the case, um, and getting in those two weight sessions, right? But it's all well and good knowing that. It's all well and good, you know, you saying to me, Chloe, you need to eat 30 different types mm. of plant-based food yeah. a week. We know these things, but it's often like, oh, shit, where the fuck do I start? And, oh, I, you know, I'm I'm... Maybe I don't want to walk walk into 
uh, a group class. Maybe I don't want to. How do I even just, where do I start? So it's really, really, really important to know that just starting anywhere, just starting, right? Mm. Don't go, okay, it's burn and bust. It's all or nothing. I've got it. Okay, great. I've just learned these guidelines. This is the first time I've ever heard the guidelines during this podcast. Okay, here we go. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Okay, I've got to get into la 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 la, right? So, no, we start off slow and in fact it's actually really important that if you are coming back from um you know more of a time of being sedentary that you actually do progressively build up your cardio build up your strength build up the the tissues capacity so we need to spend time letting our tissue adapt to the load okay you often hear the term you know the weekend warriors yeah. The, yes. the ones that the, the sit, sit all week and then do something like a, a marathon on, on the weekend or the toughest CrossFit session yeah. in the, and then they're like, ah, done my Achilles or, you know, you know what I'm saying. So it's like build up, build up slowly, doing bits. And there is more and more research emerging on Um, the benefits and the uh, effects of what we call exercise snacking. So, yeah, so we've we've got a very – I think there is a general mentality with a lot of us that it's all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, like, to be perfectly honest, I can be a bit of an all or nothing person. Um, It's kind of like, you know, when you feel like you've missed your window to exercise. Like, I don't know if anyone else who's listening – I tend to be – a morning exercise person, I kind of like to do it before I've done my hair and makeup and got ready for, you know, before my shower. Yeah. So, and I find that convenient because then I don't have to, you know, do all that again. Um, but ne- my, my schedule has changed where actually now I'm up early teaching every morning. So I'm now working early. So that window's not there. Oh, so, so pardon? How has that affected your exercise now? Uh, drastically. Drastically. So I need to look at that though and I need to go and there's this thing, you know, and, and there's a lot of studies on as well, like what is motivation and what is this and how, you know, la, la, la. And I mean, sometimes we just can't rely on motivation. Yeah. Okay. Like there are some things that we need to look at and go, well, movement is so important to mm. our general health and well-being, both <laughs> physiological and mental, that that kind of needs to be enough. And sometimes we just need to do hard things. Yeah, it's a bit like brushing your teeth. Right? No one's motivated to brush their teeth, but we do it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really great analogy, Kate, is brushing your teeth. Um, So looping back into um, exercise snacks, um, actually, so exercise snacks are basically when you – so you don't feel like you have to do it all the things in one go. So an exercise snack might be something like doing a quick 10-minute workout mm. in between something else, then yeah. doing another one later. It might be you've, you know, you're waiting for the kettle to boil. And so the the boiling of the kettle, if we're looking at tiny habits, the boiling of the kettle is your anchor. We've spoken about tiny habits before, BJ yeah. Fog. What's the anchor? Boiling the kettle. Cool. 20 squats. 
Yeah. Every time you boil the kettle, 20 squats. Um, two of my girlfriends and I have got tiny habits going on at the moment with exercise. So uh, we used, we actually use every time you go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so around time you pee or whatever. <laughs> um, 20 squats. That was right. an interesting. We actually got quite a lot of squats in that day. Uh, then we did, because we started off with um, the kettle and then we all decided, well, we only kind of, we only use the kettle twice so we felt like that wasn't probably enough then we do use the ping it was like that was a lot then we were like okay that was a lot of squats that day the next one was um five push-ups every time you say the word fuck and the (laughs) three of us are swearers and it was interesting because (laughs) I said fuck and then I said fuck that I said fuck anyway I (laughs) repeat and I was like no oh my gosh how many push-ups am I up to now so it's a really it's it's a fun way to get in exercise snacks. Now, these little bouts of exercise, they count. They count towards your weekly quota. They count towards um, feeling better. I don't know, you know, when you've sat at a desk for a while and you start to get lethargic and sleepy and maybe feel a bit achy and gross, and how much better do you get up if you just go and, like, take a walk around the block? Yeah. You know, I used to I used to work in a corporate office and we used to do the stairs. Yeah. So yes. if we needed to wake up, we'd go into the stairs. We'd do a couple of flights of stairs and I tell you what, that gets you fired up in a second. Um, so I was looking at uh, a study um, that uh, Dr. Jackson Fife, he's a researcher at the Institute for Physical Activity and, Nu- and Nutrition, and we'll link this into um, the show notes. So he was basically looking at... Um, how can we get older adults doing more strength training and resistance training? Okay, because we know how important that is and we know that as we age, we see a decline in um, muscle, power, strength, balance, bone density. Yeah. Okay. So when we think of older adults, we're sort of talking that 65 plus that was mm-hmm. usually the definition of older adults, older population. Um, and he, he's interesting because he wrote about despite the benefits of strength training uh, participation in resistance training, sorry, resistance training remains low among older adults with as few as 6% of Australian oh. adults aged 50 years and over reported to meet current muscle strengthening exercise guidelines. Damn, hey, six with with as few as six percent of Australian adults aged fifty years and over. Wow, that's that's up there with the percentage of people who eat enough vegetables. Is it? Yeah, that's similar. I don't think I eat enough vegetables, Kate. Just to put yeah, my hand don't up. Worry. only only seven point five percent of adults do. This is actually I've just had a bit of a moment. How I view exercise, and sometimes just. Do it. I need to start viewing veggies like that as well. <laughs> yeah, I think listening. I to really want to eat more diversity in my veggies. Yeah, and and I think and correct me if I'm wrong, Chloe, but I always tell people from a food point of view, like pick the foods you like eating. Yes, and now I guess that applies to exercise uh, as well. Oh. Pick exercise you enjoy 100 100 million percent there's no use telling someone you've got to do pilates if they hate doing pilates or vice versa however we do need to see like if you're someone that just loves doing cardio and doesn't pick up some heavy things a couple of times a week 
you got to pick up some heavy things a couple of times a week. So important. Yeah, and, and vice versa. You need to get yeah. your cardio in as well. So, so there is that we need to get the cardio aspect and we need to get the weight-bearing aspect um, mm. to get the full benefits and, and of what exercise can do for us. So just looping back um, to the work that uh, Dr. Fife is doing, uh, they ran a study called um, Feasibility and Acceptability of a Remotely Delivered Home-Based Pragmatic Resistance Exercise Snacking Intervention in Community-Dwelling Old Adults. It was um, a pilot randomised controlled trial. So didn't have a huge um, base. There was like 38, I think, participants. Okay. So, you know, a smaller study um, and they're very aware of that and they're like, we need to do more studies around this. Because mm. what was so cool about this is um, basically the exercise intervention involved home-based resistant exercise snacking. Um, sessions were performed either once, twice or thrice daily. Mm-hmm. The high, higher sessions um, got more, you know, benefits. Um, and the exercises were were simple, um, time efficient. They focused on multi-joint exercises involving large muscle groups um, to target improvements in strength, elements of balance, um, in lower body muscles, um, most susceptible to age-related declines um, in yep. muscle mass. So we know that um, as people age, so too do the uh risk factors for increases in falls, et cetera, and there's huge impact um, on mortality um, with broken hips, et cetera, as, uh, and falls when people are ageing. So yeah. we, it, when where possible, we want to keep people really strong and mobile in those, mm. those lower limbs um, and we want to work on their balance as well. But mm. this was really interesting because these exercise um, snacks simply consisted of five exercises – um, each would perform continuously for a minute with one, one minute of passive recovery between. Um, total time commitment of nine minutes per session. Oh, wow. That's it. That's brief. That's it, right? Yeah. Um, and have a read of the study, crew, if you're interested in going deeper into it because it's, it's a great study. And there was a lot of feedback of they enjoyed it. They felt they had autonomy. It mm. wasn't complex they could fit it into their lifestyle oh it was simple it was manageable they didn't need equipment for it um and and it was really interesting so there are indications that uh the pragmatic characteristics of the exercise intervention including that it was a time efficient incorporated exercise that was simple required minimal um Equipment were particularly appreciated by participants. And guess what? That meant that they did it. They adhered to it. Yeah. And that's the main thing that we see with with exercise, with programs, with any of that is adherence, right? How many of us have started with all best intentions? Yeah. Um, you know, and you kick off, you know, I'm going to do this, this and this and this. And then it's like, oh, I'm not going to do those things. And yep. the other thing, you know, going too much too soon, I mean, I've done a few of that, those sorts of things recently and I tell you what, the DOMS, the delayed onset muscle soreness I have afterwards that lasts like three to four days, impacts me then going and doing any other exercise because yeah. I'm so freaking sore. 
Yeah. So just side note, because I know we're going to be winding up soon. If you're yeah. listening to this and you're going, but oh, doesn't being really sore after a workout mean you've had a really good workout? No. <laughs> so <laughs> delayed onset muscle soreness is not an indication of whether a workout was effective or not. It simply means that it's doing something different and something that the tissue wasn't quite ready for yet. Okay, a bit much of something, a bit, you know, or something new. Yeah. And that's, how you, that's why you feel sore. So you can do a really great, really great workout and not feel sore after it at all. So, so you know, having sore whatever afterwards is not indicative of how good a work, workout was, just FYI. Uh-huh. Yeah. But and yet that gets bandied about so often. Yes, I didn't know. it okay, does. Cool. It does. So let's loop back. Um, general rule of thumb, around about 150 to 300 minutes of moderate pace cardio or 75 to 150 of vigorous or even better, combo of both if, you know, doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, spaced out over the, the duration of the week or if, it, if you can only get to do that a couple of times a week, we'll get it in there, right? Yeah. Um, and then getting in those two weight sessions, body weight, yeah. weight sessions a week. This is the first time I've actually heard that um, talked about separately. I always thought it was just you just needed five half-hour sessions of exercise each week uh, and a mix and resistance. So this is the first time I've, I've heard it defined so clearly. Um, and, and you talking about those exercise snacks has inspired me to set up snack stations for myself on Mondays and Wednesdays because, like, they're my – they're huge clinic days for me. I'm like – literally on my computer from nine in the morning to like seven thirty or eight at night with clients, uh, you know, all over the place. Um, so I yeah, that. going out for like a half hour walk just doesn't feel feasible for me because I'm just, I'm jam packed, but mm. I could do 10 minutes. So you could, so you could do, you could get, could get in squats, like get in some, you yeah. know, get in some squats, then um, Jump down on the mat, do push-ups. Push-ups are fantastic. Then maybe you do some sit-ups. Maybe then you lay on your tummy and give everyone a little program here. We could do a bit of extension. So work up, you know, work our back, lift lift your chest up and down, et cetera. Um, You could chuck in a plank. You could chuck in a side plank. Yeah, I'm very, There you go. Put that together and boom. I'll give you feedback. I'm excited. Tell me me how – and it's fun. Right, and when it's just a small little amount, yeah. it's fun. Like every now and then, I'll just jump down and do a plank, pop the yeah. timer on. Oh my god, I'm feeling active. Yeah, it's fun, right? And yeah. if you're listening to this and you again, you want to look more specific, specifically, sorry, into um, the exercise recommendations, please jump onto the World Health Organization page. Um, and and look through them comprehensively so that you gain it is being individualized to you um yeah because that that's key I mean and the bottom line is <laughs> if you're not enjoying doing it you're probably not going to do it um yep. so we want to we want to we want to tap into that a little as well right yes make it pleasurable mm. make it pleasurable that was fantastic Chloe well, thanks, Kate. I really enjoyed. Um, I'm glad that my brain. I was a little worried, everyone, that my brain might have. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where my. It's like where did my brain go over the break? Um, <laughs> definitely delivered above what we thought we were capable of at the beginning. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a nice little takeaway for you all. <laughs> when in doubt, look, just give it a shot. 
just give it a shot, right? You might surprise yourself. What's the worst that can happen? Um, yeah. <laughs> just do the stuff. Don't worry about it being perfect. Just do the thing. Just do the stuff to all our perfectionists stuff. out there. You Perfect just got to just do the stuff. You never know who you might who you might help just and yeah, inspire. So I my takeaway is I am going to eat a little bit more of the rainbow when it comes to plants. Nice. Um, that's definitely something I want to incorporate and be more consistent with my protein. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also going to be making a concerted effort to work towards getting in my physical activity recommended guidelines. Yeah, I'm I'm also there are a couple of days where I fall a bit short on protein. So that's currently a focus of mine at lunchtime especially. But I am I'm really excited to set up my little exercise snack station um for my big days on Monday and Wednesday to get my exercise up. So that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that information, Chloe. You're welcome. Um so happy new year everyone and um Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. And please share the episodes and the knowledge you're taking away from them. And please, as always, reach out to Kate and I and let us know what you'd like us to chat about. Because we want to chat about things you want to hear about. Otherwise, Kate and I may as well just have a phone call and not record it. (laughs) (laughs) Which some of you might be thinking, oh, for God's sakes, would you do that? No, like... (laughs) No, if you've come this far, you obviously like listening. So thank you. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Kate. (laughs) We did it. Here we go. (laughs) Bye, Chloe. Bye, everyone. Bye.